it's time for another edition of Singles Only Podcast. Paul Farvar here, your host. This week features the return of soloist Peter McGraw. This was a controversial episode back in the day. I actually did his podcast and I cut this up into two episodes. This is part one when we did uh, kind of an overview of stuff we've learned on singlehood and podcasting, all that good stuff. It's a really good episode. Uh, Riding Shotgun for him was uh, Julie Nervelli. Uh, fun episode. Uh, check it out. Um, also, my uh, dry bar special uh, was released Thursday, April 20th, last week, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, you can get it on drybar.com. Uh, you get a free subscription if you use the code word Paul Farvar, P-A-U-L-F-A-R-A-H-V-A-R. So check it out. Uh, it's kind of cool. Um, a lot of stuff, a lot of my older material was on that very clean episode. Uh, I recorded it two years ago, so they finally released it. I'm excited about it. It's my first uh, comedy special. Um, so more to come in that direction. Um, so I'm excited about that. Come check me out online uh, or on the road. PaulFComedy.com has all my upcoming dates. This week I'm at uh, I'm in Chicago doing stand-up sit-down, my new show, uh, Monday, April 24th, where comedians do a set and then we interview me and comedian Greg Kennedy. Very fun. Uh, that's a monthly show. I'll do Comedians You Should Know in Chicago on April 26th and then April 27th. And I'm at a sold out show headlining Diggs in Canal in Lamont and then headlining Laughing Academy in Glenview on Saturday. Also sold out shows. Uh, next week, I'm at JP's Comedy Club in Gilbert, Arizona. And then I think the next week I'm going to be in Los Angeles to be determined. Um, I'll be in Nashville later in the year as well as uh, Florida in end of may um check out my website for upcoming dates i'll be in florida as well it uh in june at the black box on the other side of florida which is uh cape boca raton i get that sort of mixed up and check out our uh our sponsors thanks for listening there was a time where i dated someone and i don't want to waste their time either right mm -hmm. because if their goal look i don't know where i fit in the soloist category i just know that I don't want to get married. You're a new way, I think. I feel like I'm my own category. Please, Peter. <laughs> I'm going to start my own. Who wants thing. to be special? Welcome, Paul. Welcome back, Julie. And welcome back, Peter. Thank you for humoring me, the two of you. That intro will make more sense in a moment, as the goal of this podcast is to discuss things we've learned hosting a podcast for Proud Singles. So Julie co-hosts with me a lot, has done at least a dozen episodes, and I thought that'd be fun to bring her in. And then Paul, you, you're the veteran host in the room. I I, in the room, I suppose. Actually, uh, and maybe in the world. I don't know. There's a couple dating podcasts that started before me. But I know I've been, it's been almost seven years, so yeah. we've been around for a while. Yeah, it's impressive. So I thought I was early. Impressive or sad? Depending, <laughs> like, when is it time to leave? Like, it's time I, to <laughs> retire, I think. But uh, yeah, it, it's been a wild ride, especially since when I started a podcast, I had never listened to a podcast. Oh, okay. And now everyone has a podcast. So it was cool that I got in on, on the ground level, so... Yeah, and so I appeared on your podcast. Now you're reciprocating. You're here in Denver. Yes. In the solo studio. Yes. You didn't come to Denver for this podcast, though. Sure I did. As far <laughs> as you know. 
<laughs> you're performing tonight. You're a comedian. I am. Yeah, I, I'm in town for shows. And you did a singles only episode, episode 296. So and now you're, you're at- back on my, I'm going to use this on my episode. Yeah, might as well. Hell yeah. And, and your episode what around now? I think we're at like 345, 345. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Any plans to stop? I thought I was going to quit at 100. Then I said I was going to quit at 200. <laughs> then I said I was going to quit at 300. And every 100 episode, I do a check-in episode just by myself or with my co-hosts mm-hmm. interviewing me. And so I don't see that happen. I don't think I'll make it to 400. You're losing steam. I'm, it's not so much losing steam as I feel like the services that I provided, if any, and what the goals have been accomplished soon, we're on the last season. Okay. It's the, the asymptote. Yeah. The, I don't know what that the means. flat part sounds, of the curve. Perhaps. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Those know, are big vocabulary. words. My big audience words. will understand that. Yeah. You guys are more sophisticated. I'm just <laughs> I'm just a dumb comedian. So. Wait, can I ask a question? Yeah. yeah. Have you been single the whole time you've been doing the podcast? Yeah. it's I dated around. I had relationships that nobody that I called my girlfriend until after we were done. If that makes sense. I had one of those. So you would say your ex-girlfriend, but she was never your girlfriend? So if I dated someone for like uh, six months and we were pretty much dating and boyfriend, girlfriend, I never called her that during that time. Afterwards, instead of saying, oh, you're talking about, if I'm talking about her in a third party situation, I'd say, oh, my ex-girlfriend. That makes sense. Right. What's the comic, the deadpan comic? I'll tell you this joke and you probably tell me his name. He says, uh, I don't have a girlfriend. But there's a woman who would be really upset to hear that. <laughs> yes. I know who you're talking about. And it's so crazy that... Mitch Hedberg. I, Mitch Hedberg is oh, the one nice yeah, from, Min- from Minnesota, I believe. Yeah. Yes, that's right. For people who haven't yet listened to Singles Only, they obviously have a big back catalog. They yeah. They get on it if they're going Start to... Start with your episode. Oh, that'd be fun. Now oh, they know everything I'm going to say. Uh-huh. Kind of what should they expect? It's authentic. It's genuine in the sense where it's mostly comedians, but it's not always funny. Sometimes they are and they get silly. Lately, they have been because I have a co-host that makes it lighter. Mm-hmm. But there are Actually. sincere moments too. <laughs> like um, I've had people on that come on that have cried. Mm-hmm. You know, they're talking. It's kind of like a lot of comedians treat it like therapy. They're like, it feels like a therapy session. I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel like a therapist in this situation. So it's a little of everything, but it's authentic. It's just, it's real. I tell comedians, try, don't don't try to be funny when you come on the show. It's mm-hmm. just be, tell true stories. So, okay. and it also makes a lot, for single people, it makes them feel less alone. I think that's the comments yes. I get the most mm-hmm. that they're like, wow, I feel much better after listening to some of these comedian stories. And they're telling their stories as single Yeah. People. I've had musicians, I've had, I've had people reveal that they're virgins on, I mean, it, there's so many great, every episode, there's something that happens that's shocking. Yeah, it's wonderful. That sounds great. Yeah, it's I fun. To so check it out. I'm prepared to lose listeners having you <laughs> on the sure, You can listen to both. My episodes are quick. My episodes are usually 30, 35 minutes. Okay. So it's a quick listen. Yeah, mine are about double that. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you have smarter listeners. <laughs> They're more patient. If They're you listen to, to Peter's podcast and you feel like, you know, he's saying two smart things, come, look, come on over to the dummies. That's what we're for. Well, we had a nice chat and I was eager to yes. have you on here and I'm glad you're here in Denver. Let's get into this. So here's what I asked my guest and guest co-host to do is to think of three things that you've learned hosting a podcast for Proud Solos. And we don't know what each other has come up with. And it's fine if there's overlap. 
So we're going to start with you, Paul, since you're the honored guest here. And what I would say is if, if we have something that's closely related, I think we should just tag it on. Okay. Right. Sounds fair. It sounds fair. Okay. Um, I, I think in, in, I have broad things that I learned and narrow things. Starting okay. with the broadest thing, I think what I learned when I started the podcast, I had a show called Singles Only uh, that I was promoting. And uh, the owner of Laugh Factory, Jamie Masada, is like, you need to start a podcast. And I started the podcast to just kind of promote my other my show, nice. weekly show at the Laugh Factory. So the Laugh Factory is on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, this is the one in Chicago. Oh, okay. So I was, right. yeah. Um, but Jamie owns it, and he was my mentor. And uh, he told me, this is a way to promote your show. It could be a singles-only show, singles-only thing, and a podcast. I'm like, fine, I'll I'll bite. And I, I knew about you know Joe Rogan and Mark Marin, but I didn't listen to podcasts. So long story boring, the show no longer exists. It was changed to Drink, Date, Laugh, so it would be open to – because we didn't want to have just single people come to the show. We wanted to open up for people who, anyone that wants to talk about dating. And then the podcast survived and it became more popular. And uh, I then changed the goal of the podcast to, in essence, to promoting a show to learning about being single. Because mm -hmm. I was single and I was like, well, how does this end? You know, maybe I need to explore this. And what I've learned is it's bolstered my opinion that that marriage is an outdated institution that I think that, um, that you, it's okay to be single. And a lot of it was with your episode too, that, um, nobody has come on to convince me that I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's what I learned that I'm, I was right the whole time. So the, the nature of the, the comedy show was a comedy show about single living. Yeah. So originally the show was called singles only where we would have single comedians and the get the crowd would be single and then they would we had forms filled out where they would talk about their dating lives and we'd interview the people in the audience about I their see. dating lives that was okay. the original show it's transformed into drink day laugh to open it up for married people mm -hmm. people that are in relationships so it could expand the crowd and yeah then, but you don't you know those poor married people i like the singles idea that sounds so fun <laughs> it was it was a great show i but it was just limiting to it was hard to be like okay, well, you can only come to this show if you're single. And in comedy, it's date night. People go... It is a very much of a date focus. Yeah, thing. so we're limiting our audience right off the bat. And then it became a popular show. So As two asides, I've met Jamie. We interviewed him when we were working on our first book, The Humor Code. Yeah. And I have... Have you sat on Groucho Marx's couch? I have. Okay, so... In his office, yeah. In his office, he has a couch that was owned by Groucho Marx. It's wow. in the upstairs of the Laugh Factory, the one I was referring to on Sunset oh, right, right, right. In, yeah. in West Hollywood. He doesn't make you take a shower before sitting on it? No, I'm sure there... I, well, <laughs> and also, Jamie used to... Had a therapist... For comedians, yeah. for comedians, and I think that they would meet and and sit, they would sit it would on be that the couch upstairs and room. Stuff. Yeah, the the upstairs, the VIP area of the Sunset, the original Laugh Factory is is beautiful, and it's mm -hmm. just a cool spot. And it's to perform there is insane. You know, I've been performing there for the last six years, and it's just crazy that I'm on shows with like people that I you worship. Up, yeah, yeah. I'm just like this is insane. Like. Yeah. I'm on a show with Bill Burr, you know. For people who have not been to the Laugh Factory, you probably have seen the backdrop. It's a very colorful backdrop. Yeah. It's incredibly noticeable backdrop it's, and videos. It's and most known for when uh, Michael Richards Kramer lost his yes, marbles. That's right. And used the N-word. 
the other digression is I did an episode on doing things alone and I collected a bunch of data on who does things alone, married versus single people. As you might imagine, single people do a lot more things alone in public than married people. But there was a big range, obviously, from things like grocery shopping, which was like the top of the list. But one of the lowest things on the list was going to a comedy show. People very rarely go to a comedy show alone. Even though they may go to the movies alone, they may go to a concert alone. It's bizarre. Yeah. And it's the one place where you can't even talk, right? If you go to a show and you're talking, you're going to be called either if it's a good club, they're going to tell you to shut the F up. Mm-hmm. But that's the one place where you, you're you not supposed to be with some. You're mm-hmm. not supposed to interact. And so it's so funny that if I have a show, they're like, well, I, I don't have anyone to go with me. I'm like, what are you talking about? You can go by yourself. Like, really? I'm like, yeah. I, I can't think, talk anyway. Yeah. I think people are afraid they're going to get made fun of. But what they don't realize is the comics really only talk to the people in the first or second row. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. Unless, yeah. Unless like you ask someone in the audience something and they raise their hand or, but yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't pick on people for being by themselves. No, no. I don't well, think you, anyone does. You better yeah. not. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you usually, you actually like, I think I've, I've been in more shows than not where we see that and we say, this is, this guy's cool. Like mm-hmm. they came by themselves. They yeah. get it. They're usually comedy fans. Well, you know, cause comics are lone wolves. They do everything alone. hundred percent. Yeah. I could see the difference, though, of going to a concert by yourself versus going to a comedy by yourself. I mean, it just it's a totally different feeling, I think. Yeah. I think concerts, I've gone, I like to go with somebody. But a comedy show, like I, I well, obviously, I like going by myself because mm-hmm. I don't want to have to deal with someone else. You know? <laughs> but I mean, at concerts, I think it's somewhere where you do want to, you want to be with somebody to, to do it. And like, I would think, Higher on that list too would probably be eating out. A lot of people yes. don't like to eat by themselves, yeah, myself yeah. included. So, I think I always like to to eat with somebody. Oh, really? I love it. I, I but seventy five percent of my meals are by myself. Yeah, maybe ninety percent now. But especially when you're on the road, hundred percent. So let's get back to this idea. This is you said marriage is an outdated institution, and no one has yet convinced you otherwise. Now. Let's admit the sample that you're uh, interacting with are a little biased. No, not necessarily. I think uh, that's the thesis of this show. Okay. Right? If you go with that as the thesis, the people that are coming on the show are currently single. But many are interested in becoming non-single. Correct. Okay. Most people that I interview, especially younger people, they I ask, what, what are your goals? Do you want to get married and have kids? Mm-hmm. And I would say greater than... Easily greater than 50% say yes, they plan on getting married or they think they will be married in a tradition, some sort of traditional. Do you ask them how many times they plan to be married? <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I should say. Like, okay. That's a little inside joke here okay. from the room. <laughs> I mean, I that, that's the answer right there. Like the fact that 50% of relationships or marriages fail. Mm-hmm. And then the second time around, it's even the number gets even exponentially worse. So that's the thesis and nothing has, so I don't think it's a bias at all. I think mm-hmm. there are people that want to get married. And if anything, I'm saying when I hear the reasons why people say they want to get married, it's always like, well, I don't know. Let's, that's just yeah. what I've been told or what I've been taught. And the reasoning behind people that want to get married 
is always it's not enough for me i i come from a legal background so i'm always like well give me i need reasoning i need mm-hmm. i need something besides well puritan ethics tell us that we should yeah. you know there has to be a reason why you want to get married regular sex that's uh that's why a lot of people do it yeah, yeah but how long does that last <laughs> What it, what's the thing in monogamy or it's the uh, agreement yes. to not have sex with other people that doesn't mean you're agreeing to continue to have sex That's with each true. other true yeah yeah i mean anyone that i talk to who is married that's a real friend of mine they'll tell me the only reason to get married is to have kids don't do it <laughs> i you mean these are real people these days you can have kids without yeah. right i mean i get it you want the family Th- unit and the, all that but. that's the reason to get married so we've been doing this podcast what six seven years now and the one thing you know about me is that i was a lawyer it's one of the cardinal things associated with me behind being a comedian former musician or failed musician or uh, persian or old but when i need a lawyer i call my friend scott shapiro and you should do the same too 312-648-8800. Scott Shapiro has been representing people for 25 years with workers' comp cases, personal injury, and entertainment law. Scott is a full-service law firm, and in addition to all the injuries that I talked about, work injuries, personal injury, and entertainment law, he handles other cat matters too. So you can hit him up, 312-648-8800, or check out his website, scottshapirolegal.com. Or email him at scott at scottshapirolegal.com. Tell him I sent you. You will not be disappointed. So I think back to a specific episode. I've always been a not very judgmental person and very accepting of people and go with the flow. That's true. That's why we're friends. Yeah, I can tolerate. (laughs) Peter's not for everyone and I can tolerate. In 19 years, we've had one argument. That's true. And it was his fault. That's true, too. (laughs) So I think it solidified that idea of not having judgment on someone else's experience or what they're after. And as my friend Greg likes to say, don't yuck someone else's yum when someone has something they're into or that's beneficial to them. And do you know what episode I'm referring to that was the most controversial? Yes, I did an episode on seeking arrangements. Oh, right. Where where Julie and I sitting in the spot that you were was a, we had a sugar baby. Yeah, I've had those on my podcast. And we talked about it and it was- Can't judge it. Yeah. I was fascinated. I just thought, you know, who am I to judge this situation? It works for her. She's very understanding of what she's providing and what she's get receiving and what her goals are. And I was just like, no yeah. judgment. I'm fascinated and don't yuck someone else's yum. Yeah, that was that was. I had a I had one on on my show, and a lot of people yeah, I had one. <laughs> well, she came back. She was a comedian who also had. She was a sugar baby, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were crapping on her for it. And now and. It was a very popular episodes, the, the the two episodes we did, but a lot of the people were judging her. And I was like, you know, why are you judging her? What about the guys who are doing this too? Like they're equally, they're in a relationship that mm-hmm. seems to work for both of them. Like she would go hook up with a guy and she got a Mac computer. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good deal for both parties. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a business transaction. They're both. Everything is. Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, I appreciate you saying that one, Julie, because I think, so it's been very interesting. You know, I'm I'm in the process of trying to sell 
a book based upon this concept. Oh, Sugar Babies? No. A solo book. Thank you for clarifying uh, that, though. <laughs> and one of the things that I have noticed, and that was sort of, that's been like the most controversial episode because there were some people who were very upset by it because they, they see this as sex work and they see sex work as wrong. Now, some people don't see it as sex work. Some people do, some people see it as wrong, some people don't, right? It's like, a, that's yeah. kind of the, four, the two by two of this sort of situation. And so I have shared the proposal, obviously with editors and stuff, and, and they overwhelmingly have passed on it. And then I've shared it with some other people. And one of the things that comes out that has been like, I, it makes sense in hindsight, but I didn't anticipate it, is they say, this is really radical. Like the message in the proposal is really transgressive in a lot of ways. In the following is like, I basically say, uh, my thesis is clear. Single living is not as bad as people think and married living is not as good. And that alone is very threatening to people. Especially the second half. Yes, that's right. Especially the second half. But the other thing is in it, I talk about these different types of, of solos. And like the no way solos aren't that, they're not that, I mean, they're transgressive, right? Because they're going against the norm, but they're not, people don't see that as immoral. What's a no way solo? Uh, a no way is like, no way, I'm not interested in dating. No gotcha. way, I don't want a okay, relationship sorry. kind of thing. But the new way types, which is a small group, you know, they're all over the place. You know, like this sugar baby fits in the new way group, you know, for example. And my feeling about this is just is super clear, which is like, is there consent? Are these two consenting adults? And Billy, who was the guest, as, as Julie witnessed, she sounds like a girl, but she's a 26-year-old college-educated woman who is sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her voice was a bit misleading in terms mm -hmm. of who she was. She does a sort of baby girl kind sure. of act, so I think, with, mm -hmm. her, with her daddies. And if there's no harm, if you check those boxes, I'm like, have sex with whoever you want to have sex with, have sex the way you want to have sex, live the life that you want to live, and I don't want to judge. Right. Yeah. I think we're evolving a society away from judging, like slut-shaming people or people who have multiple partners or whatever the situation may be, right? My episode, there was a lot of slut-shaming on her like oh my god she's hooking up with people for for things and right? how were they doing this is like via social media social media my I comments see. and stuff like that I see, and, yeah. and i would just talk to them about it or my guests will call tell they'll message me and stuff like that and i think we've evolved a little bit in that way because of soloism and polyamory being so prevalent in these dating apps that are where most people meet people now mm -hmm. um and i hate to do this but I've been watching this show. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called The West Wing. And uh, it's a show from the 90s I just started watching. Long story boring. I talk about it on a lot of my other podcasts as a joke. But in the episodes, Rob Lowe, I don't know if you watched the show back then. Many years ago. So I've seen one or two episodes. I only saw one or two episodes. But now I'm like obsessed with it. I'm watching it all over Evidently, again. it's the most accurate political show ever made. Accurate. And all the issues that were happening in 2000s are like... it. 
if you can get past the fact where you sit, you're watching and you're like, oh my God, this is today. And then like they pick up a phone and it's like from one of those huge phones, like, ah, you just took me out of the moment or like the pleated suit pants. But like there's an episode where Rob Lowe is, uh, he has a relationship with a prostitute. It's an ongoing thread in, in the few episodes. And obviously politically speaking, they're like, this can't go out. He's friends with her. He's okay. not sleeping with her for money there's no transaction and he's a politician he's uh he works in the white house okay but he's not he's like a, a staffer mm-hmm. and so they're like really don't want this to get out because opposition research would find it and it'd be bad and then there are moments where like what's the big deal what she does is transactional we are prostitutes and they're trying to make it about politicians being prostitutes but like there are times where they're judging her. Yeah, and then, lobbyists are the sex workers. Right. And the politicians are the Johns, right? But she's, she's actually going through law school, which is like the, the, the stereotype for strippers. Although I went to law school and there was only one woman that was a stripper. Um, <laughs> well, every class has one. That's, that's what I heard. <laughs> but yeah, they were, they were judging her. And, and even in the 2000s, they were obviously, there were the voices of reason, right? They were saying, what's the big deal? She's an adult. And she's going on these dates with these high-profiled people, and everyone is judging her. Mm-hmm. But now that episode, I think, I think we've changed. That would be like, yeah, more people would be like, "What's the big deal?" Yeah, more, but not the majority. I think. Yeah, yeah, still not. in our circles. We're trying to shift that. There's a lot of shrugging. And I think that part of in this vein of judgment, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Is you know, as a society, cheating is a totally socially acceptable behavior. But polyamory, the people judge polyamory like, that's so weird. And what are you talking about? And it's like, but cheating is, oh yeah, he cheated or she cheated. People just write it off. like Ethically non-monogamous. It already has the polyamory of when they say they're ethically Mm non-monogamous. That's ethic. That's already providing judgment, right? So it's like, wait, they're just doing it back to the people that are cheating. Yeah. Right. But yeah. So that judgment. <laughs> you say, you're like in a non, I'm in a non-ethically. Monogamous. <laughs> right. Mine's not ethical. Sorry, guys. Right. Everybody thinks I'm monogamous, but I'm actually not. Right. Yes. That's just marriage. So anyway, I'm hoping that we're spreading the idea of non-judgment. Yeah. Slowly but sure. When I was a young man, we had the speaker come in to my work. I was working in student affairs. She's this very wise woman. She was actually brought in to deal with this conflict among two marginalized groups who are sort of arguing over who had it worse. And she had this sort of umbrella perspective, which is if you accept one form of oppression, you should accept all forms of oppression because it all comes from the same place. It comes from hegemony. And so the idea is this is if you say, well, I'm fighting against the discrimination, the stereotypes, the mythology that I receive as a single person it's wrong to do that. I'm not a less than person because I have agency. I'm consenting into this. I'm not harming the world with my singleness. I would argue, and I do believe this, you should apply that same standard for what other people do, even if you have no interest in doing it. So let's not be selective in how we judge, right? Like, don't judge me for being single. And then I would say, well, then don't judge people for being polyamorous. Right. Right. You know, in, in that same sense. So I guess we shouldn't judge people for being married. <laughs> I, but we can make fun of them on occasion. <laughs> but no, I, here's I, a perfect example. But it is true. I was talking to 
some polyamorous people last week and I was telling them about this podcast and the sugar baby episode came up and they started shaming her. And I'm like, it's, this is exactly what How you're talking dare you? about. Right. I, and I, I was, I, my mind was blown. Like you want people to accept what you're doing and now yeah. you're yucking her yum. Yes. The, so I'm, I'm teaching again this semester and I'm prepping next week's class. And one of the things I'm going to talk about is consumer goals and how important it is to understand someone's goals to understand how they're going to behave in the marketplace. One of the overriding goals that people have is a status goal. In general, we want to be seen and see ourselves as high status, right? And that can be attractive, wealthy, uh, you know, good at sports, whatever the, whatever the sort of domain is, you know, that someone values, they want to be seen as high status and we reward high status people in the world. They get dates, they get raises, they get opportunities, etc. And this is so baked into us from an evolutionary standpoint, but then also from a cultural standpoint, we're always seeking status, right? The likes on our Instagram page or Facebook page, the retweets on Twitter, et cetera. Like social media is just a status game mm-hmm. through and through for, for a lot of people. And so I think this notion of this polyamorous couple looking down on this other transgressive person is a way to feel better about yourself rather than trying to live in a world that's non-hierarchical, which is like trying to remove status from relationships, which is something that I highly value myself. All right, I'm going to do a quick one. Mine was, I would say that I recognized this before the podcast. Actually, I recognized it at age 38, but I didn't really recognize it until I started doing some writing and and working on this podcast. And that is, I used to think that people were single for one of two reasons. So they were single by choice or no way folks. And that's a big ass group of people. 50% of adult singles in the United States are not interested in dating or a relationship at the moment. That's a shocking number. I think to to many people, it was shocking to me when I, I actually didn't believe it when I first, (laughs) found that I like dug deeper and it's a, it's a very common one. Like every time you test it, it shows up. Then you have the single by chance group. That's also a big group and that's a much more varied group. So some of these people are single by chance is because like if you're a heterosexual man and you live in Alaska, there's a chance you're going to be single because it's just such a terrible dating pool for you. Some people are single by chance. Actually, I'm, I'm going to work on this episode. I actually had a, a listener email me and say, you know, you have overlooked a sort of important topic. And that is those of us who are single because we're ugly. And it's always I'm like, wow, yeah. Right? Is that by chance or is that a separate category? I'd say that's chance, right? There's yeah. some element, you know, somewhat outside but your control that makes it difficult for you. Well, I would say that that makes it, there'll be a third category. I don't know how many categories you have, but those are people that are single, but they don't want to be single, right? Because single by chance is like you happen to be single at this time, you're in between relationships. But if you're talking about people who are single because they're ugly or undateable, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word, 
those are people that wish they weren't single. Yeah, well, when I say single by chance, these are people who are open to a relationship or dating and they just are having trouble achieving it. Look, I actually really appreciated how bold this listener was in pointing this out because, and I actually have enlisted uh, the listener to help me design an episode because I want to, you know, it's a sensitive topic, of course, but I want to explore it. But, you know, people who are disabled, for example, look, if you're homeless, you're probably single. There's a whole bunch of, maybe if you have a mental illness, you might be, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that make relationships hard for you, difficult, finding someone. Yes. Finding and keeping someone. That's a very challenging place to be because you have a goal and you're unable to achieve it. And some of that is outside of your control. Some of it may be like, if you're bad with people, if you're mean. Yeah, I was going to say, you could have an ugly personality. You could have an ugly personality, right? And it makes it hard to to be attractive or to maintain something. So it'd be very easy to just say, people are single by choice. People are single by chance. There are varied reasons within each of those groups. And what I recognize is there's, there's what I call people who are single by mismatch. And I would welcome a stronger term, especially one that starts with C. And I think that I was that person at age 38. And it was this. So Julie knew me back then. I wasn't the most dateable guy, but I did okay. I could meet nice women and we could get things going. And then, and I would have- You had a couple relationships. I had some relationships that were happy and healthy, really wonderful people. And inevitably, those relationships would end. And they would usually end with the woman asking to move the relationship forward. Where is this going? Mm -hmm. Where is this going? I'd like to move in, you know, maybe a conversation about children, things like that. And I would say, I can't do that. You had also told them that up front, that that wasn't in your... Yeah. Yes, true. But it wasn't a surprise to them. Right. A lot of women think they can change Yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. So you were upfront about that. Yes. With them. But nonetheless, it didn't make the end of that relationship any less heartbreaking. And I felt not just sad, not just heartbroken. I felt guilty. I had felt that I had done something wrong because that is what you're supposed to want. And if you can't do it, there must be something wrong with you. And if I had gone to a counselor, and let's suppose the two of us went to a counselor, the counselor probably, unless they were highly elevated and a listener of the Singles Only podcast, perhaps, uh, would say, Peter, it's time to grow up. Peter, stop being so selfish. Why do you have commitment Peter, issues? Peter, why do you have commitment issues? Mm-hmm. Peter, why don't, you know, I think, and so the, but, but what I have realized is this, is that yes, some people have commitment issues. Some people are broken. Some people, you know, but some people just don't want the traditional conventional relationship. Right. And then you, so that changes the conversation in the room with that therapist, let's say, that counselor. There's a different interpretation, which is, you know, Peter's soon-to-be (laughs) ex-girlfriend, you're okay. Peter, you're okay. What's not okay is is this escalator relationship. 
that one of you wants it and one of you doesn't want it. And that's okay for each of you to want something different, but you can't be together pursuing two different things. Um, no one ever would go, and I'll just say this, the last scenario is no one would ever go, Peter's soon to be ex-girlfriend. Why do you want to get married? Yeah, there's something wrong with there's you. There's something wrong with you for wanting to live with this man. You know, actually, it, it would be a mistake <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> to want to live with a man who doesn't want to live with anyone. Right. You know, but, uh, but nonetheless, so, so the big insight for me is that some people are, are single because they're trying, they're trying to date the wrong people because they have different goals, not because the people, there's something wrong with the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Look, that's a common thread in all my relationships where it's like, where is this going? And when I first went to therapy years ago, it was after a year-long relationship where everything was great and I just I didn't want it to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a pattern of that happening where it was happening over and over again. So I went to therapy. I was like, how does this end? Like, how is this a good thing? And what I learned from that is like, nothing's, some people aren't just designed to have a traditional relationship. Yes. My therapist told me that. And he's like, I mean, he also said, I'm emotionally immature. But that was 10 years ago. So I'm way, way more mature now. But um, <laughs> it was like, but but that's a thing that, um, the, that no judgment, right? Where going back to what Julie said, it's you can't judge people because they have a different outlook. And, you know, why does, there's no evolution in a relationship. Sometimes they stay, for lack of a better word, it's stagnant. They're mm-hmm. not going anywhere, but it's still a positive relationship for both parties if they know they're on the same page. If they both opt in. I mean, I've if seen they both opt in, right? Yeah. For Julie, I mean, you've done this. You've adjusted the way you approach your relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've been married twice. Okay. <laughs> that was the inside joke. Um, and obviously divorced twice. It would be funny if you said divorced three times. Divorced three times. <laughs> same guy um, twice. Yeah. So yeah, I have a totally different approach and I feel that shifting from I'm dating to look for a lasting relationship to I'm dating as an adventure and it's fun and to get to know new people and try new things and just experience, have new experiences and things like that. It's completely changed the way I date. Mm -hmm. It's way more fun now. Why do all my married friends say I'm living vicariously through you? Yeah. Yeah. And I can uh, as a witness to to Julie's dating, it's much more joyous than her relationships were. They're actually really mature, highly communicative, and she has this varied type of people coming into her life versus sort of this one type of person that she was would tend to couple up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. The unhealthy type? <laughs> well, you know, Yeah, but it's true. I mean, I, now that I have a different mindset, I attract, attract and am attracted to a totally different type of person Mm -hmm. and it's much healthier. Yeah. One last thing. My therapist actually recently retired. (gasps) The poet? Yes. The poet retired. retired. I have been with him for a dozen years and I had to train him because when we first started, he was very traditional about the value of relationships and about perseverance and all these kinds of, he has a book about it and all this stuff. And I held steady and he's a smart person. 
And he figured out like, oh, the advice that I give to those people is not going to work with Peter. And he learned to support my soloness. And it's why I stuck with him for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Because if he hadn't, through these breakups and, and so on, I would have found someone else who could. Paul, you're up. Well, let's see. I'll go with the specific. It kind of relates to what you're saying. The one thing I learned about myself on the podcast was I had a guest on who said something that I've taken to heart, which was um, he said that he only dated women who had children because it helped him keep the relationship intact. And I do the same now, where I typically only date women who have children because my life my priority is stand-up comedy. And they say in comedy that people who marry comedians are like, I, there was always a mistress and it was comedy. And that's why relationships fail if comedians are, are in those situations. And so for me, if a woman has a child and a career, I like being third on that list because then it works. I'm not, there's not pressure on the relationship to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're always in a, what I call a honeymoon phase where it's just, we have fun. We we have a valuable and a meaningful relationship time, and it's like okay, she has a priority, which is her child or her children, and I have mine, which is my career. Mm-hmm. So I can go to travel for you know three weeks, and uh, you know if it happens that the week that she has her her kids, I'm around her her kid, then it's great. We both we have a great dinner. We go do something cool. And it's like an awesome night. So I do that now. I tend to avoid uh, dating women in their 30s who have no children. Mm-hmm. Because, because they want you to be the priority or right. really high up there. Or they're looking to get married and have mm-hmm. kids typically. Even if they say they don't, mm-hmm. I just don't trust them. <laughs> don't trust them. <laughs> there's plenty of options in the pool you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> no, well, there's there was a time where I dated someone and I don't want to waste their time either, right? Mm-hmm. Because if their goal, and look, I don't know where I fit in the soloist category. I just know that I don't want to get married. You're a new way, I think. I feel like I'm my own category. Please, Peter, <laughs> I'm going to start my own Who wants thing. to be special? There's the some days, just maze, no ways, new ways, and the Paul ways. I think, I think mine is what I tell people when I go on dates. They're like, what are your goals? I'm like, I don't know. I know what I don't want. And I always start from there, and I and uh, and that's where it goes. But like, I don't want to get married. I'm not. A, I might get married one day. I'm not. A, I'm not saying it's not something I want. It's not a goal. I, I compare it to a, like a side salad on stage. It's like you want to get the fries, but if the side salad is a healthy option, you're going to do it. That's how I view marriage. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I avoid people that I, I avoid dating women who uh, where. I feel like I'm wasting their time. They're they're on a path to something that leads to this escalator that you're yeah. talking about before. And, and if I may, the the three relationships in my sort of 30s and early 40s that had this challenge, in each of them, the women went on to get married and have one or two kids. Oh, I have that. I have 17 women <laughs> that I dated who within a year were engaged or married. Yeah. Literally 17? 17. Oh. So if you want to get married and have kids, call I'm, Paul. Yeah. Go out with him a for a couple weeks. Thing. Not anymore so much, but in my early 30s, that was that was the yeah, trend. I mean, also, that's the norm. That's what most people yeah. do. I feel so, like I, th- I always say it's because on paper I sound so good and like this is what I want. And then they end up being like that's 
the opposite of what I want. And <laughs> you help them it. clarify. Yes, I'm a, I'm the last. Cla- I'm like the last. Like it's like the ride, the 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 funnest ride on the most fun ride at the at the carnival. And then you're like, okay, now I just want to have a normal life. <laughs> that's that's me. Because I think back Paul, then, was, a carnival ride. I was a carnival ride. Okay. I mean, I was um, back then. I was a fun. I was fun. I was a musician. I had. I was a lawyer. I had money. I, I partied hard, uh-huh. so it was a fun. It was a fun, dude. Now I'm, I'm old and boring. I just eat food at late at night. I don't even drink anymore. So good for you. Congrats on not yeah, drinking. Yeah, that's that, that's the one thing I learned, which is specific, is dating women who have children or a child. Oh, interesting. Typically, yeah. What if she said the same thing? Me too. <laughs> Me too. I just like to date women who have kids and a career. <laughs> I think one thing that this has helped me is to just be more curious about things and when I when I meet people ask more questions and just be more curious and learning and more adventure and I don't know it's just made me want to know more different perspectives just that whole kind of opening up curiosity Hmm. what would be like what's an example of your sort of of, you know it's interesting because curiosity is an attribute and it's one that can be developed So we tend to think of this, a lot of things as being like natural, oh, naturally curious person and so on, but you can actually develop curiosity. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think I've even said this before is a pivotal episode for me was, well, the two most pivotal were the ethical non-monogamy and the stepping off the relationship escalator. Mm -hmm. And that those were just totally new, not super new concepts, but being able to put a framework around those concepts and how those impacted me. And then just to be more curious about other, other episodes, other ways people date, other ways people live. And just, it's, it's just really fascinating to me. The um, polyamorous people I was talking about earlier, like I'm so curious about that. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that, but I'm fascinated by all the different ways people are doing relationships. And so I'm just a lot more curious now. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. But I'm still